Continuous improvement comes in lots of different flavors and styles. I'm Bella Engelbach, and I'm inviting you to journey with me to the edges of lean. Episode 108, Rapid Growth and the Power of Lean with Catherine Chavillon. Catherine Chavillon is an expert in lean management, and she's an author. She has recently written a book called Learning to Scale at the Theodore Group, which describes in detail how a company faced with dramatic growth used lean thinking to avoid what Catherine calls the big company disease. She joined me at the Edges of Lean to discuss what she learned when she went to the Gemba with this company and its founders. Catherine Chaviron, welcome to the Edges of Lean. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you here and it's an extra pleasure because you are a fellow woman in lean and I always want to give out a shout out to that group um, and to um, to all the women uh, practicing lean around the world so lovely to have you here and um, you're in Paris um, I'm yeah. just outside Philadelphia so this is also a lovely um, long distance connection for us. Catherine um, can you just take a moment to tell us about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I ha- well, how did I come to Lean? Because initially I was in a petroleum company, an American one, by the way. Uh, and then I moved over to automotive business. And in the automotive business, you cannot not meet Lean. Um, my my expertise there was to actually develop Lean in uh, support functions because you had Lean in manufacturing. We were starting Lean in uh, product development as well, because there's a lot of lean in product development as well. And uh, my job was to try and do and have and make sure that the support functions were actually supporting the lean effort by practicing lean themselves. And that meant um, payroll in HR, finance, uh, logistics, of course, but I was not alone, of course, uh, doing that in logistics. But mostly I did it in IT because I was also in the IT department uh, in a very big uh, uh, supplier for car makers, a very large international company. And this is where I learned trade because our job was to provide production systems up and running, uh, not locking or blocking uh, the production in, in the lines. Uh, so every time there was a mishap, we had to understand, and this is where we imported lean, lean processes, lean means, lean tools, lean concepts, and it worked. And actually, the plants were very happy to have uh, IT guys talk the same language in terms of problem solving, sharing knowledge, um, learning things. Um, so that's the story. And then I moved out of uh, automotive. I've been... Uh, practicing lean or helping other people to do lean in many other areas, uh, industries, of course, but also um, um, services like post office services, or I've been working also in the tech world in a bit, uh, for a while. And maybe that will be, Bella, your next question, huh? because we're going to talk about the tech world and lean in the tech world. Yeah. Today. yeah. How did I come to the tech world? Uh, because we were discussing lean in France and sharing experiments uh, with various companies. And suddenly we started seeing that uh, the agile guys uh, were coming to our events and saying, we are doing agile, but we are 
sometimes a bit stuck and we'd like to hear more about what Lean is all about. Uh, Agile is very helpful for, for our projects, but maybe we need to understand a bit more. And there was a new, completely new development in France about uh, Lean in the digital world, in the tech world. Uh, and some people really started experimenting with, with success, particularly a company that is called Theodo. Um, and because I heard about them, this is when I went to knock on their door and said, hey, guys, uh, I hear you're using Lean and Tech World to, to do web uh, apps and mobile apps. And I'd really like, but I come from the manufacturing. I'd like to see how you do that. And this started both the, the meetings and the visits and the articles and the, then eventually the book. Uh, Wow. And tell us about the book. The book is Learning to Scale at the Theodore Group. Exactly. Yes. So this is just fascinating to me because I have been in situations where the like the agile guys have come in and said, oh, forget the lean. We're all going to do agile and we're going to do agile for everything. Right. And um, I always find that frustrating because agile was built on lean principles, right? So the, the guys that wrote the Agile Manifesto looked at the Toyota production system and said, well, how can we take these principles and put them into software development? So it was it, I always thought that was a, a strange thing for them to say. But, but what you told me um, when we were chatting earlier, Catherine, was that these, the, the theater group people had were recognizing that lean had something that agile didn't address at all so can you can you talk uh, a bit more about that and i'd love to know if you learn from them how they got that idea because i think in the u.s we're still struggling um you know with lean being about process and not about people not about management so, so first we need to say that agile uh, for theater group was already a, a first discovery that helped them tre tremendously uh just mm -hmm. starting to use sprints to bring the customer back inside the team to iterate quickly uh you know the fail fast concepts uh where you propose uh, MVPs, you propose things, then the the customer can react, then you can improve and so on. All this was uh, very, very useful for them. And, and they all agreed to that, uh, that it was already a breakthrough. The problem was that when they started growing, they, so they had very successful project teams developing apps uh, on mobile, on web, and so on. But... Uh, as they grew up, they grew complexity. Uh, they started to have, they, they were, they started with two people in a room and they're more than 700 today. They were. That's, that's a really big yeah. difference. It, it does. It's, it's horrible. But even it's horrible with uh, 50 people. It starts yeah. with 30 yeah. or 50. Because the moment you start growing fast with a double digit growth, uh, number one, you have to recruit. So how do you organize the recruitment? You have to organize the finance. You have to organize uh, the teams and train them. So you need plenty of new expertise. Uh, so they bring in people with a, uh, already a, 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 an experience. Um, if you bring in people with experience, they will start playing the book of how to do finance, how to do HR, and so on. And this, there is a risk of the big company disease. Maybe we can 
this is not me inventing uh, how you call the company disease, but usually we we talk about big company di disease with four four ideas. You know where number one, the customer is further and further away. When you are two in the in the office, uh, the customer is there. You you talking to him every day or her. Right. Uh, when you are seven hundred uh, uh, with a lot of uh, different teams, the customer tends to move away. We and we tend to put processes up front. So we're very much more focused on, on the process than on the customer. Are we doing our process right? Rather than thinking, oh, Mr. So-and-so has been waiting for two, 20 days for, for an answer. And you, uh, can even have, you can even have rules and policies about who's allowed to talk to the customer. Yeah, exactly, may exactly. You you may have people who are allowed, like marketing people or salespeople, but the, the people coding are not allowed and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's the story. We, we, we have that problem in France. Maybe you don't have that in the U.S., but when you go to certain uh, cafes in Paris and it's uh, nearly lunchtime and you want to just have a, a, a cup of coffee, but they're laying out the tables with nice cloth and, and um, tables, tablecloths and so on. And they say, no, I won't have you because I'm preparing for, for lunch. But we say, no, it's just for five minutes, just a coffee. No, no way. So this is typically process over customer. Um, I mean, my process is that I start putting the tablecloths on the tables. That's... Mm -hmm. 11.30. Therefore, from 11.30 to 12, I can't serve coffee. Uh, this is really, really an issue. So Theodore had that kind of issue. Uh, they had the, the issue with the silos. Uh, if you bring in people that are experts on HR, recruitment, or finance, uh, then they start creating their own silo of expertise. And sometimes what they decide is against the teamwork for the company, it will serve the silo, but not the overall company, and certainly not the lead time to the customer. Um, uh, there was also the fact that uh, when you are big, you start having, you start preparing people who comply with your rules rather than people who bother you with new initiatives and questions and objections and so on. You tend to hire and promote those who abide by the rules. And this is another typical issue of the big company. Uh, so uh, not to develop too far too far away on those, this is why Agile, th those questions are not answered by Agile or the Agile Manifesto today. The Agile Manifesto is telling you how to run a project on software development mm -hmm. and is efficient at it, providing you do it by the book and not... Uh, not deriving from it as, as we do sometimes with Lean. Uh, but they don't tell you how to run a company. They don't tell you how to run a company simple, uh, easy, where how to engage people when you're 700. How do you engage people every day? How, do, how does people's work make sense when you're 700 and you can only see them once in a while? Mm -hmm. uh, all those but that doesn't doesn't agile though help prepare them for lean and you know things like like being used to you know daily meetings and and visual management don't those things help with with a lean um engagement of course it does uh the sprint do the fact that uh, the teams have the customers inside the sprint uh to iterate uh, quickly it does of course 
just to tell you with Theodore what impressed me, and this was one of their big turnaround at first with Agile, is they have a daily converse, uh, sorry, weekly conversation with their customers in each team. And it's not sending out a questionnaire on net promoter score. It's really an actual conversation with the customer, asking the customer whether we're going fast enough, whether we're delivering the right product, and whether we're supporting him or his teams or uh, correctly. And the, the conversation is not always simple and easy and and like we all love each other and everything is fine. No, it's sometimes very difficult to hear that the customer is not happy, uh, even if you don't understand why he isn't, because you done a great work and you've worked hard and so on. So, but they have those conversations and and that helps. So yes, Agile, of course, answered some of the questions, but not enough in terms of the overall question of the process versus customer. Mm -hmm. The actual temptation when you start growing is that you put processes everywhere you shall do this, you shall not do that. Uh, you will use that template and not this one uh, and so on. And and this where this is where you get stuck sometimes. And, and you lose that ability then to improve, right? I mean, you, you sort of get to the point, well, you know, well, we need this process. Everybody who is hired has to go through these steps. And yeah. you need that for legal reasons and, and for making sure people have a good start. But then you also have also made it difficult for yourself to improve that process because now you, you know, we know you've got now you've got to have to to figure out what the new process is and experiment with it and train people on it and you lose that you lose that flexibility. Um, which is what a lot Absolutely. of people complain about, right? With processes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do process because I lose my flexibility. Yeah, and, and indeed you do need rules and you do need uh, ways of doing things, but you must also learn flexibility. There is a story we tell in the book about uh, processes versus uh, team initiative. Um, for example, turning leads into a sales, an actual sale, um, of course there is a process where you get the lead, you get to hear the listen to the lead, you get to make an offer, you get to follow up the offer on the offer, and then uh, you hopefully get the sale. Uh, but and, and one of the leaders that is uh, that I'm, I'm discussing with in the book was saying, I, I used to go by this by the book, you know like, going through all those steps. And my job, my I figured that my job was to push people to go as fast as possible through those steps. And it, the, she changed her mind. She changed her mind because she discovered that some of the sales that they had managed to, to, to get uh, had not gone through the steps, actually. Mm. Been the object of uh, local initiatives of some people who reacted more finely uh, to what the customer's problem was. So she decided, she changed, she she decided to go for a Kanban that would highlight each step of the process and who is stuck with what, which Kanban. The Kanban, by the way, turned out to be a Mr. So-and-so, and, and the conversation went not so much on how to move the Kanban from this step to that step, but why is it stuck here? Why didn't we give an answer to Mrs. So-and-so who wants this kind of feature? Why are you stuck? Are you overloaded? 
can I help? And this conversation, the conversation changed completely. Instead of talking outputs and going fast through the steps, it, it turned into a, a rich conversation about, <clears throat> do we understand the problem? Do we have the knowledge to, uh, to answer the problem? If we don't, where can we get that knowledge, uh, et cetera. So you can imagine the conversation was much richer and the, 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 the leads were much easier afterwards to, to turn into sales when, when you brought in the support and the knowledge that was needed. So you were coming in, you you went you went there to, to find out what was what was what was happening there and, and you you ended up working with them, I understand. I, I didn't work with them. No, I was I was actually visiting them. You were visiting uh, them. Done, yes, I had done so with uh, the Planet Lean magazine. I had done mm -hmm. a number of articles, visiting French companies for a half a day visit and telling a story on the one specific angle of lean. But this time I wanted to do an overview of the company life. So I knocked on the door and I said, I, I hear you're, you're using lean, lean concepts uh, to run your company. Uh, and I really would like to, to make a number of visits with different themes. Like one was around how to get customers on board, you know, how to, to mm. bring in customers, how to actually develop your turnover. Second uh, theme was um, how do you actually recruit and retain talent? Uh, it's not so easy because there's a lot of competition. So how do you do that? Second visit. Third visit was, uh, uh, by the way, how do you keep the technology, uh, technological edge in a very fast moving and disrupting, uh, disrupted world? Um, how do you promote quality? Because it's all well and done with Agile to discuss lead time, but uh, how do you actually promote quality uh, and does it help? Uh, and the last one was based on all that, um, how do you define your strategy? Because uh, things happen, customers ha have such and such problems, teams have problems, how do you build your strategy? So the, the five visits were around those um, those uh, challenges, business challenges that every company meets. Uh, and the, the objective was to actually see, while I was doing the visit and discussing with the people, were all leaders of the, of the company, uh, how they addressed those challenges with Lean. And so that was the story. So I visited them, wrote the articles, and then it turned into into the book. And what, as you were talking to these leaders, they um, they must have had a moment or several moments uh, where they um, came to that realization that that to solve their big company disease that they had scaled themselves into, right? that lean was going to be part of the, the answer. And, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot in this podcast is that it's not going to work unless leadership actually starts to behave differently and starts to think differently. So do you have, do you have insights and, and are they in your book about, about what triggered those mo some of those moments for that leadership? They, they actually, so as I said, they had started Agile and it was a big breakthrough for, for the projects themselves. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and they were stuck with the rest of how to run the company. So they got an, an, an agile coach uh, and asked him the question, you know, uh, how can we scale agile to run the company? Uh, and the guy said, look, uh, I have had the same problem. Uh, ah. And the answer, the answer I found was not agile as we know it. Again, uh, agile, as you said, is very much lean applied to the tech world, but it's the lean concept. But agile as we know it in the agile manifesto is not designed or thought out to, to, to run at scale. Um, I went back to lean. I went back to the lean concepts to uh, to to run the company itself, and this is how they got interested in lean. They went to do lean studies, study tours. They got a lean sensei, a lean, a lean coach, and this is how they developed their their understanding of lean. And today, you really see them. The two co-founders, Fabrice and Benoit, are mentioned in the book. The two co-founders are doing a lot of Gemba visits inside their teams with the TPS in mind. You can talk to any leader in their group. Each leader is able to draw you the Toyota production system right out on the whiteboard without evaluation. And they use this as a framework to understand what's the next step and what they should look for. This is really amazing. Uh, when they do, I've, I've attended some of their visits and every time it's a question. Let me give you an anecdote. I was with Benoit, one of the co-founders, and he visited a team who was developing a mobile app. And uh, the team started putting up all the deliverables. We're late, we're not late, we're doing this deliverable, we're at this stage of the project, blah, blah, blah. And, and Benoit said, oh, oh, stop, let's stop. Show me the product. Show me the product first, because if I understand, if I see the product, I, I can have questions and conversations about what the customer needs. So they completely changed the orientation with their visits from deliverables to customer, to product, to features, to what is the, that the customer, what is the problem that the customer is trying to solve? Uh, and this is really interesting. To, to see how they use TPS. And the next question was, are we late? Just in time. And the next one was, any problem with quality? Didoka. Uh, and, uh-huh. and, the, and the next one was, can you show me some problem solving that you've done? And what have you learned? The basic steps of the Toyota production system. So it's, it's a framework that they keep um, referring to when they are doing Gemba visits. And 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 that is so powerful to have the co-founders, right, the leaders of the company in there asking these questions, um, because that sets the culture. That that makes the culture um, focused on that. You know, p- people always want to know what do the leaders want, and here are your leaders telling you exactly what they want, and what they want you to do is to think, right, and to think and to think in a certain way. Um, yeah. They yeah. use Gemba visits extensively to to convey the sense uh, of what they're trying to do uh, as a company, to support, to provide. So they, they, they provide orientation. Okay, this is where we want to go. Mm-hmm. This is what we're trying to achieve. And they provide support. 
because each Gemba visit usually ends with, um, can I, is there something I can do or we can do to help you on any given topic where you're stuck? So this is really, really the framework uh, to progress. Gemba visits, go and see Genshi Genbutsuka, as uh -huh. we say. Uh, go and see for yourself and give sense, give orientation, but also provide support. Right, and that that builds employee engagement, and it builds this, the problem-solving skills, which is yeah. what it, which, it which is what is desperately needed. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the the overall assumption of lean, as we've understood it from Toyota, is that uh, um, you cannot be you cannot solve prob all the company's problems and the customers' problems and the supply chain problems uh, just with a few experts. They might be able, or they might, they will be needed for very complex uh, engineering issues, of course. But there are many, many, many daily tiny problems that if each of the frontline operators, whoever they are, wherever they are, try and deal with those tiny little uh, problems, uh, the whole company will be, be much better off, starting with reducing cost, by the way. And right. providing fun at work also. Because you're not not only in the execution, but you are encouraged to to do a bit of exploration. Right, which which encourages growth and development. It does. Yeah, we, which, we which is what people want. Yeah, exactly. Uh, th there is an example uh, in the book. Uh, this is no longer the co-founders, but the, the CTO, the chief technical officer, uh, of, of one of the uh, sub-entities because they have different entities uh, on, on different markets. And uh, this CTO was watching a guy um, battling with uh, the uploading of an app design he had done. He had prepared a new app. He had coded everything. And he had to, to put this release, this new release on a number of smartphones to test the app on different um, Different so models of smartphones to see whether it was working uh, as expected, and he had to go and look for different devices. And they have uh, devices at hand in the office, but he had to go and look for them because they were not available. So they had to look for them. And second, he didn't know really how to upload on the App Store and the, and the Play Stores and so on. He didn't uh -huh. know the process so well, so he wasted seventeen minutes. No added value work. So the CTO was doing a gamba with him and, and uh, just watching. And he asked one question, are those normal conditions? And of course, the developer said, uh, not really. 17 minutes sounds really too much. And of course, at this stage, the CTO could have said, OK, uh, I'll tell you how to do it. Uh, you do this. Mm. Uh, this is the rule, uh, etc. He, he just said, take some time and think about how you could reduce those 17 minutes and bring them down below 10. And by within the, the next two weeks, the guy had explored, found a, a way, and uh, brought back the overall um, time to upload uh, by, by several minutes, I think five or 10 minutes for the entire company. So the entire company benefited from it. And he had the fun to explore and to find the solution by himself. 
So it's never, those Gemba visits never end with do this, do that. Mm -hmm. Go and talk to so-and-so. Have you thought of this alternative? Uh, Are there other ways to do it? Um, How can I support you? But it's never with the answer. It's an, an encouragement to explore, to do something else. And the, you know that whole approach is still so different from the way most leaders lead, the way most mm-hmm. managers manage. So I'm imagining some of the conversations or some of the um, the coaching that they had from their lean sensei um, to arrive at that, because I think people don't, you know, I know people don't arrive at that behavior on their own. Yes, they, they have those conversations with, with their sensei, but they have also read extensively. They, they're discussing with people, they're mm-hmm. discussing with customers, they're discussing with other colleagues from other tech companies, they're discussing inside with their leaders. They, they, do, they do have um, communities of practice around books, book clubs, if you want. Oh, so cool. Will, yeah, they will take a book, uh, and read the book through together and discuss it. So they are permanently learning about management, not only lean, but they're reading a lot of books just to uh, see other, they, uh, get more perspective. Do you think they're going to read your book? Oh, yes, they have already read the book. They've already read it? They have a book club on the book yeah. inside because they're using it also to uh, to discuss uh, what Theodore is trying to do and and why they're doing it that way. So it's a way to explain the the, the approach. But it encapsulates some of the company history, which is, I mean, that's really important for an organization to be able to say, this is where we were and this is what we did and this is where we're going. Um, exactly. But to do that in, in the book is, yeah. is so, that's so, that's very, uh, that's lovely. That's really, really lovely. It's it's not easy. We shouldn't say that this is easy and everything mm-hmm. works well and it's all perfect and so on. No, no, it's it's a tough it's a tough world. Uh, it's a very competitive world. Uh, right now, uh, they, up to now, they had a, a, a double digit growth, and right now they're starting to have because of the competition, the sheer competition uh, of those uh, kind of techniques. Uh, they, they have some pushback from the market and they have to reinvent themselves all the time. And it's difficult and it's not fun yeah. all the time, but it's a bit funnier than when you are in a company that runs by processes and outsourcing and uh, uh, cost reduction uh, through finance ways and so on. It's still right. much funnier. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, and you can't manage by cost reduction through a, through a market change. It's You just can't do that. Uh, so, they prefer yeah. to to do cost reduction through quality improvement. They've read, for example, talking about books. Uh, they they read. I don't know whether you're familiar with this one. Sadnomura. Uh, he wrote a book about dantatsu uh, quality, radical quality. He explained. He's a he's a Toyota veteran, uh-huh. and he explained how he was developing quality with. Number one, by providing a, a very, very big challenge, like reduce quality issues by 50%. Uh, and secondly, by giving a method uh, and uh, one that segmented the problems, like um, who, who discovered the bug? The customer 
or the teams at final inspection or somebody inside the plant as they were assembling the, the product or somebody uh, even before. And of course, Sam Nomura was a promoting the idea that the customer should never find the, the, the bug. All the bugs should have been found before. Mm. And ideally, if you have bugs, they have to be found by the people who operate the assembly or, or, or purchase the components and so on. So they imported those ideas inside Theodore uh, by trying to work on their bugs because they are well aware that if they reduce the bugs and they do more right the first time, they will reduce their costs. And this is one of the challenges, yeah. That is a really important realization for a company to come to. I mean, I mean, because I know companies that that you know that have massive cost around managing um, you know issues with products that are in the market, and they sometimes don't even count that cost. But you know, it's yeah. it's something you know that the engineers or R and D take care of. Um, you know, a quality takes care of, and they don't even add up how much it's costing them. You know, it's it's um, and that's just it's just the it like you know like the. The question that the, the manager asked, you know, is this normal conditions? Yeah, that's normal conditions to do it that way. So that, yeah, that's a really, really um, fantastic realization to come to. Yeah, they, they need this normal, abnormal condition yeah. question to make sure that they will use the endom, you know, uh, pulling the cortical for help. If you're not aware yourself that you are in abnormal conditions, uh, why should you go for help? If right, you look right. yourself in the challenge of the customer lead time, why should you go for help? You know, you have all the time you need. Uh, so all those, this is part of the Toyota production system, you know, create the challenge while offering the support through the end on. But before, even if you have the challenge, if you have the challenge and you don't understand the normal abnormal conditions, this is horrible because you are under the challenge to do fast with a, a good lead time, but you don't have the conditions to recognize that you're doing right or wrong. And this is really a lot of stress. You, you know, there is one thing that is really clear for me in my experience is if you draw a line on, on competence, for example, like below you have no competence and high competence on the other hand, and you draw another line horizontally that is challenge, no challenge, challenge. If you have no challenge and no competence, nothing happens much. But mm -hmm. if you have a lot of challenge and no competence, it's horrible. And if you have uh, a lot of competence and no challenge, you're bored. It's boring. That's boring, yeah. So the whole point is to go for challenge and competence. So these are normal question, conditions questions are very, very important to trigger the learning. Because if you don't understand the abnormality, you don't call for help, you don't start doing problem solving, and you don't learn, and you don't increase your competence. And you then you continue to create those situations where people have to do things and they don't know how to do it. So, Catherine, when when you were um, visiting Theodore, Theodore and and uh, writing the book, what was your biggest learning in doing this book? Uh, 
the there were plenty uh, for sure but the, yeah. the learning the the really important learning it's it's not that I was changing my mind but it was really really convincing me that the the fact that people go to the gemba regularly to visit the teams whether they are people in charge of uh, hr uh, whether they are people the leaders of the company whether they are technical tech, uh, technology officers, uh, the the need to visit uh, the field where the things are happening is really, really so important. It makes the difference. It really makes the difference because on the one hand, you get to see people that are leaders that you would not normally see otherwise. And you get to talk to them about your problems. So usually the people who are in the front line rather love it, providing there is a bit of support and action behind, of course. And for the leaders, it's it's really an opportunity to reconnect with their teams and understand what the reality is of the company. You cannot build a strategy for the company if you don't understand where what is the capability of the company. Mm. I cannot decide, oh, well, we're going to be to, to start disrupting this market by using this technology if you don't understand how far you are on the previous technology you know, and how quickly you're going to move from the previous technology to the new one. Uh, and, and it's really interesting because this happens all the time in their, in their world. They have to, they started recruiting people in one technology and then uh, all of a sudden the, the market switches and they, they are required to offer these new technologies. So how fast can, we, can they train people from this technology to that technology? This is really fascinating. And if you're not on the Gemba, uh, you don't know. You don't know. If you're not yeah, discussing right. with the people who are staffing the, the teams in the projects, you don't know. Wow, yeah, that's, yeah. And possibly wow. the second thing that struck me is um, you can identify talents when you visit uh, by looking at the quality of the countermeasures they propose. It's amazing how, I think you spot talents because of the quality of the countermeasures they propose on, on a given problem. And this is great for a leader, whoever he is, manager, leader, founder, uh, to identify talents because the talents are, are the people he's going to be able to put here or there to develop energy, collaboration, and teamwork elsewhere. And that's so important because one of the things we see with these companies that really have embraced lean, you know, really have understood, you know, what it's about. It's, you know, that it's one of the process that, you know, that create a management system that works is the lack of ability to maintain that over time as leadership changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I, I think that that is one of the things that Toyota does that, that most other companies still are not able to do is to is to build you know generation after generation of leaders who are becoming better and better lean leaders i don't know whether you've read katy anderson anderson's book about uh yes yes yeah 
she, she, the whole book is about how Toyota is struggling because they are struggling like anyone else with the big company disease, the complexity, uh-huh. overseas in the implementation, people who don't understand, even Japanese people who are managing badly and so on. But the, the difference they have compared to others is they keep trying, they keep coming back to the TPS, to, to the idea of learning, to the idea of pushing people to go and see. Uh, and it's difficult for them too, but they just have continued doing so for the last 70 or 80 years or more now. Uh, yes, more probably, but let's say 70, 80 years, uh, just coming back with the idea of how do we learn? How do we engage? Um, did we go and see actually what was yeah. happening? Or are we just talking numbers or basing our decisions on uh, on reportings and so on? It's yeah. really interesting to, to read her book to see that. No, it's, it's, it's a, a fabulous, it's a yeah. fabulous book. We'll, yeah. get, we'll give you, give everyone a book list to read um, after this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Catherine, tell me, I've got, I've got one more, well, two more questions for you. First of all, tell us the name of your book one more time. So everyone is, knows it. Yeah, it is learning to scale. So the idea is how to scale because it's not easy to scale to at Theodor group. Uh, Theodor group is a, again, a group in the tech world, a digital company uh, that grew very fast over the last 10, 12 years and made two breakthroughs, one with agile, then with lean. And we're telling their story, uh, how they use Lean in the uh, in the tech world to to address their business challenges. Wonderful. And my last question to you is: What is your one piece of advice for a young person starting out? Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to repeat myself with the go and see because this go and see. I, I started my career. I had no idea about Lean, uh, and and really, I knew that. Every time I went to see, really to see and discuss and observe what was happening, um, it helped. It helped tremendously. It helped being recognized, by the way. It helped building my own expertise. Uh It helped on the teamwork and the collaboration because when you are talking real things and actual things, uh, you get a lot more traction than uh, when you are just imposing things from uh, the head office. So my, my advice to whoever starts a company, a job, a career is uh, just go and see. Don't don't just check internet and, and see what's, uh-huh. what's written in internet. Just go and see in your own company, in your own context, in your own teams, uh, what's happening. This is the key, key of all things. And Thank when you, you. See, normally you start all the others. Because you start problem solving, you start support, you start uh, customer, you start being interested by customer because uh, you can see them. Wow. Wonderful so, advice. This is the key. Thank you. Catherine Chevron, thank you so much for traveling with me to the edges of Lean. Thank you, Bella. That was a pleasure. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Catherine Chevron for being my guest at the edges of Lean. What did you learn from this conversation? What ideas did it spark? We would love to hear from you. You can find Catherine on LinkedIn and find her book on Amazon. Find me on LinkedIn or at leanforhumans.com or comment wherever you watch or listen. 
and check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com, where you'll find lots of great new content every week. The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelbach with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.